I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You heard it right there. We each uh, week will be looking at a different race underway in the state of Utah. Uh, Congressman Chris Stewart currently represents Utah's 2nd Congressional District, and he uh, joins me now to talk to me uh, both uh, about his his campaign, the efforts he's undertaking to uh, convince Utah voters that he remains qualified to serve them in Congress, and also about a major accomplishment uh, of his, and uh, it deserves congratulations. It was uh, just the other day that the House of Representatives passed uh, the National Suicide Hotline Designation Act. This is uh, something the congressman been Congressman has been working on for a long, long time. I can remember uh, when I myself was a, a congressional aide, uh, seeing his staff and he himself uh, working very hard on this effort. Uh, Congressman Stewart, welcome to the program. Uh, Lee Lantre, it's always good to be with you. Thank you. T- tell me what it means to have cleared this final hurdle. Well, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, Lee, that in the sense that, you know, it's been a few years now since you were working with us back here on Capitol Hill, and it's a good illustration that, you know, this was bipartisan. Oh, my gosh, we had hundreds of co-sponsors, Republicans and Democrats. It didn't cost any money. And it was demonstrably, I mean, easily shown that this was going to save thousands of lives. And yet it still took almost four years to get it to Congress. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the way Congress works. It's the way our founding fathers set it up. But, you know, the good news is we're finally there. We are going to, this will save thousands of lives. If you're in the middle of a mental health crisis, if you are despairing and feeling like there's no hope, if you're worried about your spouse or your daughter or your son, whoever it might be, there is help. 988, we're going to help you. We can help you. And we're just you know, grateful that this is going to go to the president's desk. And we'll have this, this national suicide number anywhere in the country called 988, and we're going to be able to help you. And we're grateful to be there finally. Have you had yet contact with the White House? Any indication of when this might be signed? Uh, well, we've had uh, some conversations with them. It's a little uncertain. It turns out that there's some other things going on in Washington right now. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so uh, they're they're a little busy this week, as you can imagine. And, uh, and so we'll see. I mean, we were anxious for it to go. It's going to take a little while to implement it as well. So it's not like we have to you know get it signed into law today. But the sooner the better. And, Outstanding. Remind listeners, uh, pending the signature of the president, when uh, when ought this uh, three-digit number be uh, a tool for those in crisis? Yeah, about a year. Uh, we give time for the FCC to work with the telecoms in order to put in the technological backbone. Uh, it, it's a little more complicated than you might think. Uh, 
and uh, we got to make sure that when the people call, they actually get through and that they get help. So it, it'll take just about a year, as I said, to finish that kind of the backside of this, but uh, but uh, it'll go it'll go quickly and uh, and it'll work. I'm, I'm sure that when we get it there, it's going to work. But that's what we got to make sure is that there's no glitches when it when it comes live. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's a, an area where glitches are unacceptable. Uh, you, yep. you as a yep. pilot know that there are there are some things, some tasks we undertake uh, in life where there is zero margin for error uh, because uh, sometimes a mistake in the wrong place can quite literally cost a life. Uh, so that, that that's yeah, a- and mistakes do happen. That's why you build ejection seats, right? But uh, you but go. you want the ejection seat to work, and in in some ways, this is the ejection seat. I mean, for people who are desperate, this is their kind of their last hope. And uh, and the, and they're you know they're in some cases their last reach out and so we need to absolutely make sure that they're that they've got the they've got the call that goes through and that and that they, they could get the help they need and by the way Lee and I know I know you know this because you've mentioned it yourself Utah does a fantastic job on this I, I mean so much so that other states often will direct their calls to Utah call centers. And it's some of our uh, local elected officials who are the kind of the geniuses and the genesis behind this. They they're the ones who uh, helped me in first conceiving of this idea. So once again, Utah leads the way, uh, and we're grateful for some of the local leadership that's been so helpful for us. Very good. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit here. the 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 point of this segment is to get a look at uh, not necessarily the politics uh, or positions, but rather uh, the the details, what's going on behind uh, the curtain in the life of a candidate. You have run for Congress uh, a number of times uh, successfully and are doing so uh, again right now, uh, looking to retain your seat in the House of Representatives. You are also serving as, as a member, casting votes back and forth to Washington, D.C. What are the campaign efforts like right now? How do you spend your days uh, communicating with potential Utah yeah, well, it's a little bit different this cycle, obviously, because of the coronavirus has changed things for us a little bit. Uh, you know, we went months without even without being able to meet with people, not face to face. You know, one of the fun things I get to do, and, and that's true whether people come to yell at you and tell you, you know, how much they disagree with you, or once in a while people come and say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. But those face-to-face meetings, the town halls, the, the sitting down with this constituents and hearing what's on their mind is an incredibly important part of the, of the job of a candidate who wants to who wants to represent people. And that's been, as I said, very different this year, although it's a little it's a little easier now. I mean, we're planning uh, town halls. We're planning open forums. I think uh, we're going to do it carefully. We're going to do them all outside uh, where we can, you know, have some separation between us, uh, you know, the fresh open air. Do everything we can to make sure that people are wearing masks and we're trying to be gracious and, and careful with one another. But at some point, Lee, you just think, I've got to go meet with the people. I've got to hear what uh, what's on their minds. I've got to give them a chance to respond to me. And uh, we look forward in the last you know, five or six weeks of being able to have more of that than we were able to do, say, in, you know, February and March when things were, you know, just really restricted for us. And the second thing I'll I'll say to answer your question is, you know, even as we speak, I'm sitting on the steps of the Capitol. I just stepped outside of the House chamber as we were voting. And uh, and I'd love to be home campaigning, but I also have to respond here. And so one of the challenges you have is trying to find time to do Mm. It sounds as though our connection is poor. Congressman, you're breaking up a bit there. Let's try once again. You're sitting on the floor, or you're sitting on the steps of the U.S. Capitol, and what's on your mind? 
Oh my gosh, I'm sorry you missed this. Is that is this better? Yeah, I've got you now. Oh man, I'm sorry. I, I might have gone into a dead spot, and and everything I said was so brilliant. I'm, I'm so sad <laughs> that you missed it. <laughs> I'm sure that was the case. <laughs> well, I'll condense it because I know you you've you've got uh, limited on time. But I, I'm, I, again, I'm sitting on steps of the Capitol as I step stepped out because we're in the middle of voting. And one of the challenges that that I have as an incumbent is you want to sit down and meet with people. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I have my job to do here, and you tra- have to find time to do both. And then again, the challenge of the coronavirus, which made it you know, very difficult for us, almost impossible to meet face-to-face. And we're so glad now to be in a situation where we can have more of those face-to-face meetings when I am home. Yeah, uh, Congressman Stewart, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your work on this 988 bill, uh, incredibly important. And I share uh, the urgency for, for getting it up and running. Best of luck uh, as this moves forward next summer, summer of uh, uh, next year, uh, that will be a resource for folks in need. Thanks again, Congressman. Thank you so much, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a, a quick break here, and when we return, we'll be joined by Utah Senator Mike Lee. He has uh, made it known that he will be supportive of the process undertaken by the President of the United States to nominate a replacement for uh, the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as well as the Senate's responsibility and duty to uh, confirm, at least here. And that's coming up next. We'll speak with the Senator on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.